We're so thankful for Doug and God bringing him here at the right time. And I told Doug when he first came on, I said, well, I don't have an office for you. We, we just spend time in the community during the week, loving on people the best that we can. And uh, he's definitely been doing that. So pray, keep praying for him and strength because he not only over disaster relief for the St. Louis metro region, but also a volunteer firefighter at Orchard Farm uh, Fire Department. So always things that keep you busy, especially this, this past week. So we're, we're thankful for you, Doug, and all the ways that God is, is using you. Did you know that there are feral camels in Australia? <laughs> no, Nathan and I. We were putting up something with a camel. It's not out anymore, but we were like, are there really camels in Australia? Google knows everything, right? So we Googled it, and apparently there are feral camels. I wonder if you can adopt one if you live over there. A camel? We're really excited about BBS. so exciting, and can't wait to see what all God is going to be doing uh, this week. So good to see each and every one of you uh, this morning. It's such beautiful weather outside, and so... Uh, thank you for, for coming here. Um, we're wrapping up this, what we call a series called Summer in the Psalms. I think Doug's got a psalm for you next week. And then, and then we're going to be moving on to 1 John. Uh, and we're going to be going through 1 John. If you want to get a jump start uh, on reading that, uh, that'll be after that. So we're really excited about that series. But, but now I f- felt like it was really fitting to look at Psalm 46 Um, If you don't know Psalm Psalm 46, it's a popular psalm, um, but it was really fitting for this specific time uh, in flooding and disasters and and all of those things and how uh, how to look at God. And so that's what I felt like God leading leading me to this week. Uh, I titled this sermon, Do You Trust God or Not? Do You Trust God or Not? There is a, a man... And he had a son, a father, and this son um, had seizures, uh, was not doing well, and he heard about this man named Jesus who was on the earth. And he thought, I'm going to put my trust in this guy named Jesus, because I've come to the end of myself, I don't know what to do with my son, I'm going to bring him to Jesus Tell him, tell Jesus about my son to see if my son can be healed. He goes and he doesn't find Jesus right away. Jesus is up on a, a mountain with a couple of his disciples, but he finds other disciples that are there in the town and he is asking them to heal his son. And they're trying the best that they can and all that they've seen Jesus doing, they're doing the best that they can to try and heal this boy. But everything is failing. Everything is not working. This boy is not being healed. And about that time, Jesus comes down from the mountain and he sees this large crowd and he asks them what's going on. And they say, your disciples are trying to heal this boy, but is not able to do it. And Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. And he says, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? And he begins to ask the father... Tell me about your son and how long this has been going on. The father tells him. and The father says, well, if you can help. And Jesus says, if I can help? Are you kidding me? Jesus says, well, if you believe. 
And the guy looked at Jesus and he says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And the boy, Jesus healed the boy. Later on, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and the disciples are like, I don't understand how we were not able to heal this boy. And Jesus says, this, what was wrong with this boy, could only be healed through prayer. Only through prayer could this boy be, be healed. So I wanted to give a little bit of a demonstration, and I've asked Colin to stick around and not go back with the kids, so uh, Colin, come up. So I want to give a little bit of a demonstration on do you trust God or not, and a little bit of a demonstration on this father who said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. So I want to talk a little bit about faith and trust. So anyone heard of the trust fall? Right? You might have gone to like a team building thing or something. You heard of trust falls? You know what that is? Okay, so do you have faith that I will catch you? You do? Do you trust me, though, that I'll catch you? You do? Okay, well, let's find out. All right, so he has faith. Why do you have faith that I trust you? I feel like you think I'm big enough to catch you. So he has faith. He's, he's, he knows me, trusts me, that I'll, but he doesn't really know that I'll, trust, that I'll catch him. He doesn't really know that. Because how could you know, right? But he's going to trust that I'm going to catch him. All right, you ready? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Ah, gotcha. All right, good job. Let's give Colin a round of applause. Good job, Colin. The Edmonds are like, Edmonds kids are like, what did we get ourselves into coming to true life? Like, what is all this stuff that's going on? I'm wearing kangaroo costumes. I'm doing trust falls. I don't know. But I wanted to give you that example of a trust fall to look at the difference sometimes as we look at faith versus trust, that I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And I believe that this world, it teaches us to be self-reliant, right? Dependent upon ourselves, self-identity, believing in yourself. And I believe that sometimes we ask the question, and I know a lot of us do, can we really trust God? Especially, like last week, when we see bad things happening to good people. Can we really fully trust God? So I'm going to look at Psalm 46. And as I read through, I'm going to read all of Psalm 46. And when I say Salah, you may have never heard that word before. But psalms are lamenting, it's crying out to God and asking him for help and believing that he's going to come through and praising him no matter what. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of prayer, like the churches, the first century churches, and even back in the Old Testament times, they used those psalms as specifically prayers as they gathered. But it's also a song. There are also songs that were sung as well. So salah means to pause or it's the end of the psalm. So Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear through the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. And you'll see why I picked this psalm. 
Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountain tremble at its swelling, Salah. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So I want to look at that a little bit. And honestly, my heart was heavy for the community this week as I drove around and talked with different people. And this Psalm 46 is a good psalm for these times. It's a famous song, specifically when things like this are happening in our world. But I got to be honest with you, as I was reading this psalm, part of me was really concerned about bringing it to you and telling you that God is our fortress, that he is our refuge, and he is our strength. He is present in our times of trouble because I was like, how can you, if people don't believe that or never experienced that or, or put their trust in that, like how can you tell people? How can you teach others? How can you tell that to people who are going through the hardest times of their life? And I remember asking Amanda about that to say, you know, pandemics and inflation and monkeypox and flooding. And I hear there's going to be a shortage of Halloween candy this year. I mean, come on. Like, how worse can it really get? I'm not going to get to sample my kids' candy. Kids are getting old now, probably. Somebody else's candy, but. But how can you tell people this when all of those things are going on? And I asked Amanda that question. I said, well, how? How can, we, how can I teach people this? She said, well, it's not really telling them. It's really, it's really showing, showing people. And I began to wonder, well, how can we show people that, that God is our, our refuge and our strength? That he is with us to be still and to know that God is with us, as the psalmist wrote. And I know because I have lived it, been through so much with God and trust him that he will always come through. And maybe you're not there yet. But for you, the, what I want you to know is that the power of God's word can work in your heart. And I also want you to know that prayer, that prayer, this, this is a prayer, it was sung it as a prayer that God can use praying in a very mighty way. So let's break this down a little bit. Verse 1 in Psalm 46. 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So what I want to look at is I want to look at refuge, that God is our strength and very present in our lives. The first one is God is our refuge. Refuge is our safe place. So I wonder what you and your life, where is your safe place? For some reason, I think of like nature, I'm just out in kind of a quiet place in nature, hiking or something like that, that that's my safe place. For you, it may be your home. You may have this vision of like a castle that you can lock the door and nobody can get in. It's impenetrable. Maybe that is your view of what a refuge is. Second Corinthians 12.10 says this. That's about our strength. I want to go back to refuge just for a second, sorry. I want to say that whatever your refuge is, and you look at God that way, that there is no situation in your life that you will face that is out of God's control. It may not feel safe. It may feel like God is never coming through. But there's no situation in your life that you will ever be in where God is not in control. That we will face difficulties and dangers. But we will face them with God. And our safest place that you can be is directly in the center of God's will for you and for your life. We say that here at True Life Community Church. We want to help you to find the true life that God has for you. That is your refuge. That is the center of being in the safest place, is being in the center of God's will for your life. Not to say there won't be troubles or danger, but it will be the safest place. Second part, God is our strength. God is our strength. Here we go. Second Corinthians, I was turning to earlier. Got ahead of myself. 12.10. For the sake of Christ, this is Paul writing, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul was crying out to God that he had some thorn in his side, whether it was sin, whether it was physical beatings, whether he was just sick. We don't really know, but he was crying out, God, take this thorn away from me. And he cried out three times, and God finally answered him, and he says, I'm not taking it away because my power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power, his strength, is made perfect in our weakness. The hardships when we serve Him and the spiritual battles and the resistance to temptation, all to be able to overcome all of that is through God's strength, through our weakness. It's God's strength. A very present help in times of trouble. Do you see God as very present in your times of trouble? It's also in the footnotes when you look at this that he's very present. It says, well proved. 
It's proven as we suffer, as we go through things, hardships, that God is with us and it's well proved. It's in the past, it's today, it's tomorrow, it's into the future. It is well proved that God will be there. That's why we have to look back into the past and the things that we've gone through to say, yes, God come through in that. He come through this week in the floods. He'll come through next time as well proved. He proves himself. Jesus lived this world, that God in the flesh, he, he lived this world. He relates to what we are going through, and he is presence. And when it says that God is, he is our help, he's help in trouble, I think the thing we get confused about sometimes is it's not necessarily the help that we want. I like to think of parenting, right? Like we know what's best for our kids. They may not like it, but we know what's best. So the help of God is not always how we want it. I was thinking when I read that about Jesus in the manger, right? Like the help that people were wanting was different than what God sent. The headlines were not, the Messiah is here. The headlines in the paper at that time was the government has everyone displaced. Everyone has to go back to where they were born for the census. Everything is in shatters. The economy's bad because no one's working. There's, there's crime and there's all of these things going on. That's probably the headlines at that time when the headlines, the help that was really being sent by God at that time was that the Messiah was born. All along, the help that we need was very much present. In verse 8 of Psalm 46, I want to look at this. It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. The help, the works that God has given. I was reading this book by Eugene Peterson, and I want to read what he said about the works of God. He said, First, come, behold the works of the Lord. Take a long, scrutinizing look at what God is doing. This requires patient attentiveness and energetic concentration. Everybody else is noisier than God. The headlines and neon lights and amplifying systems of the world announce human works. But what of God's works? They are unadvertised, but also inescapable. If we simply look, they are everywhere. They are marvelous, but God has no public relations agency. He mounts no publicity campaign to get our attention. He simply invites us to look. Prayer is looking at the works of the Lord. Prayer is looking at the works of the Lord. And I can't emphasize that enough. Sometimes it's the simple things. That through prayer, God will open your eyes to what he is doing. His help and his works. Verse 2 through 3. Therefore we will not fear... 
Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. I heard a preacher a long time ago said to other preachers, he said, never be the hero of your own story when you're preaching. And so please hear me that I'm not the hero of my own story, that God is the hero. But I, but I want to tell you that I've learned over the years that God will make you wait longer than you want sometimes. As, as we wait upon God's help, as we wait upon God's strength, as we wait and see what God is doing, He makes us wait longer than we ever want. But He is with us and He is always faithful. He is always true. He is always there. He always has your best interests at heart. And so I want to encourage you that no matter what you are going through, even if your mountains of your life are being thrown into the ocean at this time, to not give up, to go to the Lord, to trust Him. He is always present. He is trustworthy. He will work it out, I promise you. Jonathan Edwards was an 18th century American preacher. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not, but the first recorded sermon that he had at the age of 18, he laid out three points in his sermon that I think are really relevant to this Psalm 46 and what we're talking about. He said, if you are a Christian, bad things will always turn out for your good. Romans 8, 28 says, for we know for those that love God, he's working all things for our good. So no matter what happens, everything will always turn out for your good. Point number two, he said, good things cannot be taken away from you. God says, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus, I will hold you with my righteous right hand. No one can take you from that. You are made perfect in the sight of God, that you are chosen, that you uh, are adopted son and daughter of the Most High King. Like Those things cannot be taken from you any time. And then the second thing he said was that the best things are to come. When we read through verse 4 through 5 of verse 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most, Most High God. That's talking about heaven. The good things are to come. Like This world is not our home. So Jonathan Edwards said at the end of that, he said, Therefore, because of these things, because of those three things, you have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of. That God will work all things for your good. He, nothing can take you away from God if you're a Christian. And the good things are still yet to come. Verse 10. Probably the most famous verse out of this, Psalm 46, and you may have heard this or you may have had someone say this to you or maybe you said this to someone. Verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
And I wanted to emphasize, it says, be still and know, and know, and know about God. To know is to have a relationship, to have an intimacy with God, to go to God, to know God, to spend time with Him. I say Christianity is a religion, or it's a relationship, not a religion. And it's about an intimacy with God. And we see that in the Psalms, people going to God, pouring out their heart of what's going on, and asking God to come through. Prayer is that. It's going to God and pouring out your heart to Him. And having that relationship with, the, with Him and to know. Being vulnerable with God. And then it says to be still. If God has a will for this world and He wants you to be in it, we have to be still long enough to know what that is. To be still. To wait on God. To show us what His will is for our life. Baron Von Hugel, don't know who that is, but it was a good quote. That he had, he said, nothing was ever accomplished in a stampede. To be still and to know God. So this other quote, it said, faith without trusting is not faith. And belief without reliance is empty. But I want to go back just for a moment. How do we get there? How do you get there as a Christian? To be still and to know God. For God to be your refuge and your strength in times of trouble. How can you get there? And I think a big part of that is prayer. And a big part of that is just living life. Older people who are better at that than I am, I wish I could take that from them. I wish that all that I have I could impart on you. But sometimes in the parenting analogy, sometimes your kids just have to learn things the hard way. I remember before we moved here, we had like a little hobby farm. And I was setting up an electric fence, so we were getting some cows. That's another story in itself. We were only beef farmers for like two weeks. I ended up taking them back because they ran in town and it was a mess. But I'll set up this electric fence, and Kelsey was young at the time, and she came down, and she was wanting to touch the electric fence. I'm like, don't do it. It's going to hurt. You're not going to like it. But she was convinced she's got to touch the electric fence. I'm like, okay, all right, don't say I didn't warn you. And so she reaches out. I could see her. She's like, I don't know. And she grabs, she just like grabbed, it wasn't like a little touch. It was like a grab a hold of it. And it just shocked her. And she started screaming and crying, and she just runs home. And of course, what does she tell Amanda? Like, no, no, he touched the pants. And, and then I'm in trouble, right? Like, why are you letting her touch the pants? I'm like, I told her not to do it, you know. But sometimes we just have to learn things the hard way. Like our kids sometimes have to learn things the hard way. And I believe when I read this, because we see the other Psalms with David, right? David wrote a lot of the Psalms. It's through his personal experience. And Psalm 46, I don't believe is any different than that. Whoever wrote this Psalm had to have experienced God in such a mighty way over the course of their, their lives. 
And they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this psalm. That God is always there. He will not fail you. You can trust Him. So sometimes things have to be experienced in our lives. So for the application for this week, the trust fall. And I ask this question, who or what have you put your trust in? It's a good question. Who or what have you put your trust in? To be disappointed in yourself is to have trusted in yourself. To be disappointed in this world has had to have trusted in this world. To be disappointed in someone else is to have trusted in a sinful, broken person, just like me. But to be still and to know God is to have trusted in God. When your world is thrown into an ocean, when you don't know if you're going to be able to afford groceries this week, or when your car is flooded, or when the blood work comes back and it's not good news, or when your past comes flooding back in your memory, have you trusted God, who is your refuge, who is your strength? who is present always in trouble, troubled times. And if you're honest, you may say, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm there or if I can do that. And I want to remind you of the story that I told you in the beginning when the disciples were saying, we don't know why this didn't work. And Jesus says, the only way that that would have worked is through prayer. So I would encourage you, if that is you and you're not there right now, to pray, to ask God, help me to be there, help me to get there, help me, remind me of the times you came through in my past where I can trust you now, remind me that you are there with me, remind me that the help that you are giving me may not be what I think that I need, but you are my heavenly Father who loves me and you know what's best for me. You know what's best for me. You can cry out to God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. You can be honest with God. He wants that relationship with you. I want to close it in this, that faith in Jesus, we talk about that a lot, right? Putting your faith and trust in Jesus. That's why I say faith and trust in Jesus. That putting your faith in Jesus is not just knowing about Jesus and knowing things about the Bible. It's that you have actually trusted Jesus. The Bible says that to be forgiven of your sins, you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. It's not just say, oh yeah, I believe that, but it's actually trusting the trust fall it's actually saying i'm going to do it i'm actually gonna not just believe but i'm going to actually do it i'm going to put my faith and i'm going to put my trust in jesus jesus goes on to say in that story he says 
For all things are possible for those that believe. All things are possible for those that believe. It's possible for you to be still and to know God. It's possible for your sins to be forgiven, to be made right with the Holy God. If you believe that all things are made possible for those that believe. It's a lesson that Jesus taught the crowd and the Father and his disciples, and it's what he teaches us today. So you may say, I believe Jesus of the Bible, but you've never put your trust in him for hard times and for your sins to be forgiven. If that's you today, I would encourage you to put your full trust in Jesus and just cry out to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for your word. And no matter the trouble or the danger, that you are with us, that we can trust you, that we can be reminded that all the hard times that we've gone through, that you are with us, that you have been with us, that you continue to be with us, that, that we can trust you, that you have our best interests at heart. Lord, I pray that we would go to just saying, yeah, I believe that, there, that Jesus was in the Bible, that he, he lived 2,000 years ago, but that we would go from that to putting our full trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. That, God, that you sent your Son, that you love so much, to the world because you loved us. To die on a cross, to be to be made the perfect sacrifice so that Christ's blood would cover our sins. That Christ lived the perfect life that we could not live. And we simply put our faith and trust in Jesus and not our works so that no man may boast. And we do that. We are forgiven. So Lord, we thank you for that. We cry out to you, Lord, help us with We believe, but help us with our unbelief. Help us to be weak so that you are strong. Help us to be weak and to just pray, to be honest with you and say, Lord, we believe, but help me with my unbelief. I want you to be my refuge and my fortress and my strength in times of trouble. I I want to be still and to know that you are God. Lord, we cannot do that without you. That's why this psalm was written. So we could sing it, we could pray it. So Lord, in our weakness, we just cry out to you, help us. Help us with our unbelief. Lord, may your power be made perfect in our weakness. Help us to grow in this area. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is sitting at your right-hand throne interceding for us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.